Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Ephesians chapter 2. I want to, I don't know how far we'll go in this tonight, but I, some things have kind of stirred my spirit. We were kind of teaching on faith. I'm going to get back to some teaching on faith here in a little bit, but we have to understand something. So many people pick up an air of frustration when it comes to serving God. I did as a youngster growing up in the church, growing up in a move of God, experiencing the things of the Spirit and the things of the Holy Ghost. It just seems like I found it real hard to serve God. I just found it hard. I just, you know, most Sunday night services, at least once a month, would end with an altar call in which most of the young people would respond to and come up and go through an emotional exercise trying to get right with God. I mean, you know, uh, you just kind of felt backslid most of the time. I don't know if anybody ever grew up in an environment like that, but you pretty much, you know, figured, you know, Sunday you were okay, by Monday you'd done enough stuff we needed to get saved again. Now, it's not, it's not because of the teaching was bad or wrong. It's basically because there was just not an understanding of some of the doctrines that we have an understanding of today. There wasn't a real understanding of the grace of God. I wish I'd have been taught some of those things that he, as a young person. That frustration might not have set in to the point that it just caused me to throw my hands up and say, who can do this? Who can do this? And the problem with a lot of Christians and why many times living for the Lord frustrates us, especially young people, teenagers, but all people, is that, Once we get saved, born again, and begin to live for God, we become a law unto ourselves. We actually adopt the doctrine of legalism, where God has never given us a law to follow. He's put his spirit on the inside of us. He's never said, here's your standard. Here's law number one, law number two, law number three, law number four. Now, law number one is not near as bad as law number six. So if it's law number one, you just go ahead and just come up on a Sunday morning and get right with God. But if it's law number six, then you're going to have to give $5,000. You're going to have to do that. You know, and we always set up this, what I like to call self-condemnation, self-punishment, and guilt. Guilt always causes you to give up. Anytime you're guilty, you just throw your hands up and say, I can't do it. I just can't do this anymore. Now, Ephesians chapter two, <coughs> excuse me. Open that bottle of water for me, sweetie. Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you. Notice the scripture here. Very familiar. Verse 8. For by grace ye are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Everybody say the gift of God. Not of works, verse 9, least any man should boast. Now let me read it in the Amplified. It says, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you were saved, delivered from judgment, made partakers of Christ's salvation, through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Not because of works, Not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself in or take glory to himself. Now, go, if you will, real quick, to the book of Acts chapter 15. Let me read here just for a moment. 
Acts chapter 15. The Apostle Paul had been on a great missionary journey with great results. It says in verse 1, Certain men came down from Judah and taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Everybody say, wrong teaching. That's wrong teaching. It says, Wherefore, uh, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and the elders about this question. And being brought in their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversation of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. Now notice verse 5. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when they had been, and, and when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made a choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference, everybody say no difference, between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, now listen to this, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Now are you with me? So we read in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for by grace you are saved through faith. One translation says grace was implemented as faith being that which taps in and pulls that grace down into your life. Now, there's been a lot of argument, discussion. There's been a lot of preaching. There's been some books written. Some of them are just absolutely out in left field talking about, well, it really doesn't matter if you drink, you smoke, you smoke dope, you do this, you do that. It really doesn't matter. We're all under grace. Grace covers it all. Now, I agree grace does cover it all. But the problem is if you're involved in sin, there is still a wage to it. Wages of sin will destroy you not only when you die but while you're living. It will bring death, death or separation into your finances, into your relationships, into your body or into your health. It will bring all of its evil manifestations with it. So we don't use grace as an opportunity to sin. Grace is not the ability to see how close we can get to sin. Grace is the ability to walk completely away from it and never mess with sin again. So let's put all that kind of thinking and all that dispute and all that argument aside. What we're talking about tonight is what we tend to do as believers as we serve God. What we tend to do is once we're born again, once we get saved, we get healed, filled with the Holy Ghost, we begin to serve the Lord. We begin to take words like discipline. We get, begin to take words like consistency. We begin to take words like faithfulness. 
And instead of using them in the context of grace, we drag them and pull them into the context of law. And we make laws or we cause ourselves to walk in legalism instead of all of the, how can I say it, all of the freedom that grace affords us. I mentioned it this morning when I was talking about the offering. How grace is the ability to get to instead of having to. You don't have to pray, you get to pray. You don't have to give, you get to give. You don't have to tithe, you get to tithe. You don't have to come to church, you get to come to church. But as soon as you cross that line in which your activity in the kingdom becomes a law unto you, you frustrate the grace of God, open yourself up for condemnation. In so doing, guilt will come and cause you to give up. Now, you say, well, what do you, what do you mean? This scripture that we're reading, all the way back in the beginning when the gospel began to be preached. Satan, everybody say Satan. Let's figure out the origin of this because he's doing everything he can do to frustrate you. Through what the Bible calls the Judaizers, those that went behind the apostle Paul, who was teaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, getting people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and seeing them added to the church. People were coming behind them and saying, unless you adhere to the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Laws are what? Laws are do's and don'ts. You have to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you cannot do this and this and this and this. If you do this and this and this and this, then you are right with God. But if you do not do this and this and this and this and this, then you are not right with God. That is no place in the Scriptures, nor is it in the dispensation in which we walk in. We live in a dispensation of grace in which God accepts us, not according to acts of righteousness, according to that we perform. He accepts us based on what Jesus has done upon the cross and his shed blood. He never looks at your performance. He never looks at your, quote, discipline. He never looks at your, quote, faithfulness. All of those are beneficial to you, but they are not beneficial to your relationship to God. You say, what do you mean they're not beneficial to my relationship with God? You cannot come to God and say, look, God, I've been in church for six straight weeks. Look, Lord, I've tithed for a solid year. I ought to be blessed. You see what I'm saying? What you're doing is you're making a law out of what God has given you a liberty to do. Therefore, the things that we would consider things you should not be doing just because you're a Christian. You're not doing them because that, well, now I'm a Christian and the Bible says, thou shalt, shalt not smoke marbles, thou shalt not smoke weed, thou shalt not drink Miller Lite. No, we see from the standpoint of the Spirit of God and the life of God on the inside of us, we see that there is not a benefit spiritually. Actually, there is something that is negative toward the development of our spirit in partaking of these things. So they're not really a sin unto us, they are a hindrance to our faith. Therefore, you say, well, if you smoke, will you go to hell? Not necessarily. You may get there a little quicker. I was in a, in a restaurant one time, and I was just, we were having a glorious revival. And I was in a church that's really legalistic, really strong, Pentecostal, you know, you got to get saved every week kind of church. So I had shared my testimony on a Sunday night, sitting in the restaurant that night with that pastor sitting there. He looked across the table and he asked me this question. He said, Rusty, when you were away from the Lord, if you would have died, would you have gone to heaven? I looked him right in the eye and said this, yes. Now the fight was on then. I mean, the fight was on then. I said, here's the deal. All of the activity that I was involved in that we would call, quote, sin, was bringing very negative things into my life. 
It was affecting my mind. It was affecting my physical body. It was affecting my relationships. It was bringing me to the brink of destruction. But here's the deal. My sin was still not bigger than the grace of God. And because of the grace of God, God was able to deal with me. One day through the prayers of my parents and through the prayers of other people, God was able to arrest me and bring me to the point in which I recognized his grace was sufficient and could get me out of everything I had gotten myself into. When I recognized that, I quit a negative lifestyle of not serving God and adopted a lifestyle of serving him with all my heart and obeying the will of God in my life. I chose not to, to, I chose not to frustrate the grace of God any longer because I could not obey my own law. You say, what do you mean? Well, it starts out many times when we're young, when we're kids. We come to church. We go to the, the ladies' seminar, the, 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 the camp, whatever we go to. We have an experience with God. We feel cleansed feelings. We feel like we're right with God. Then we go off to school. We go off to work. We go off to, And then all these little things in life. You know, we tell a lie because it's convenient here. We get mad because it's convenient there. We do this. We do that. Now, we're all of a sudden, what are we doing? Things contrary to what we should be doing. Behavior contrary to what the Spirit dictates because we're yielding more to our mind and our flesh. So instead of just recognizing God has given us an out through just asking forgiveness and confessing it to the Lord, appropriating the blood of Jesus right where we are, we let it build up over and over, day after day, day after day, week after week, and then the devil is a master at reminding us of how our behavior is not pleasing to God. He brings condemnation into our minds. It doesn't come into your spirit. It comes into your mind. He begins to tell you you're a dirty old rat. You're a hypocrite. You can't serve God. Look at who you are. You're just putting on a, you're just putting on a front up there at Island Church. If people really knew how you were, really knew how you acted, they wouldn't have anything to do with you. Come on. I guess that doesn't happen to anybody in Galveston. And so you end up frustrated. And what the enemy is doing by that wrong spirit is the same thing the Judaizers were doing back in the Apostle Paul's day and going behind the Apostle Paul and saying, okay, you Gentiles, that's all right. You believed in your heart. You confessed with me. Jesus is your Lord. But you're not really going to get saved until you come to the feast, until you circumcise the men, until you begin to adhere to all of the law of Moses. You're not really saved. That was wrong then. It's wrong now. To have a law of Moses or a law of Leah or a law of Frank or a law of Dustin or a law of anybody else. You cannot adhere to your self-imposed law and walk in the grace of God. If you do that, you will stay in a continual state of condemnation. You will be guilty at all times, and you will never enjoy the liberty that God gives us and the freedom He affords us in walking in His grace. So a lot of people, they they just give up. They're like, man, who can do this? Nobody can do this. Nobody can perform acts of righteousness to the point that God looks down and says, hey, check out this guy right here. He hadn't smoked a cigarette in three years. So I begin to think and meditate. I said, well, Lord, where do we see this in the Word where somebody frustrated the grace of God when God was extending grace, stepped back into the law, Went into con- And the Lord spoke to me out of Mark chapter 10. Now, we don't want to turn there, but I'll remind you of the story. In Mark chapter 10, there was the Bible called him a rich young ruler. Anybody remember the story of the rich young ruler? 
Well, here comes this guy, and the Bible says Jesus, of this man, Jesus loved him. So he comes to Jesus with a question. Anybody remember the question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now remember, at that time, Jesus had not died on the cross. Jesus had not risen again. Jesus had no, uh, how can I say this? He had no foundation to lead anybody into salvation because he had not completed that redemptive act as of yet. So he was ministering to the young man on the level in which he needed to in order to get the man to the place where one day he could be saved. So he said to the young man, he said, you need to keep the laws. And he began to name the different laws. The young man did, said, well, you know, I haven't stolen. I haven't lied. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I've kept all of these laws since I was a young person. Then Jesus said to him, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Here's what you need to do. You need to go sell all you have and give it to the poor. Now, everything he was talking about doing in the law, I haven't sinned, I haven't done this, it was part of his everyday behavior. He had taken and adopted the law as his standard of behavior. Jesus said to him, you go take everything that you have, you sell it and give it to the poor. You step outside of the law and you perform an act of grace. You say, what do you mean perform an act of grace? Grace is your ability to bestow upon others what they do not deserve, but you bestow it up on them anyway. It's your ability to love someone that does not love you, to pray for somebody who is not praying for you, your ability to give to somebody who does not give to you. You are giving them grace when you do that. God said to the rich young ruler, excuse me, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, I'm going to give you a standard of grace. Go sell everything that you have. Give to those that can't give back to you. That's why he didn't say, come give it to my ministry. He said, do what? Go give it to the poor. Go give it to people who are going to take it and use it to supply their everyday need. And your gift, as big as it may be, within a week or a month, it'll be all gone. They will have eaten the food. They will have bought the clothes. And everything you have given will be forgotten about it. But you will be acceptable to me. And the Bible said, the guy said, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. And he walked away. He walked away. Why did he walk away? He did not understand grace. If Jesus would have said to him, okay, here's six more laws. You shall not beat your camel on Tuesday. You shall not drink warm well water on Thursday, whatever that means. You shall not do this. You shall not do that. That guy would have said, I got it, man. Watch me perform. Watch me do it. Notice, notice, notice. Watch me. Law in your own life is when you get your eyes off the grace of God and get your eyes on your own performance. Because the enemy is a master at letting or making you see your own performance for the benefit of his distraction from the grace of God in your life. You come to church every day for a month, and then one Sunday you have to miss it because of work, and now you're condemned. Oh, I should have just quit that job. Why? You had to go to work. You miss, you miss prayer. The Lord taught me this when I was out on the road because in Bible school I was able to, uh, for nine months, I was able to have this extremely disciplined life in, in, in Christ, in God. 
I mean, I would come home, I would get up every morning at 4.30. I would begin to pray. I would pray for approximately an hour all the way to Lakewood Church. I would get to Lakewood Church and spend another hour in the prayer room there. Then I would go to class from 8 o'clock until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I would come home. I would study. Then I would either go to a service at night or I would stay home and study and, and do work and all that. And I mean, for nine months, I had this disciplined prayer life, this disciplined study life. Then all of a sudden, I went on the road. And on the road, I had to stay in motel rooms. I had to drive cars. I didn't have near as much time to be as disciplined as I used to be. And so I'd be going to meetings, and I'd be in different places, and the devil would say, you're not near as prepared as you need to be. These poor people are going to have to sit here and listen to you, and you didn't pray for three hours yesterday. I'm like, oh, man, oh, no. I begin to condemn myself. I begin to look at my own performance. God's dealt with me so many times in that area. I begin to say, you're right. I've not been able to pray for three hours today. I had to sit on an airplane for three hours. And the person next to me was reading some foul magazine. And the person on the other side of me was talking and doing this and doing that. And I'm so distracted and I'm so unholy. And I've missed God. What am I going to do, Lord? Amen. Lee and I, when we, we flew to Hong Kong in 1989, and it took us 36 hours to get from Houston to Hong Kong. And then we sat in a hotel room for about four hours and they came and brought us to a meeting. Physically, we were wore out. Physically, we were just, just, you know, I got up, I had something prepared. I preached it probably 15 or 20 minutes. Then I'll never forget, we called for the sick to come up and lay hands on the sick and pray over them. And there was a line of about 100, these precious little Chinese people. And we went across the lane and none of them moved, none of them blinked, none of them did this. And I'll never forget getting to the end of that line and this thought hit my mind. That, yeah, you was totally unprepared for that, didn't pray didn't study, didn't meditate on the Word, spent all that time on the airplane, yep, yep. And I'll never forget standing at the door of that church and little Chinese person after Chinese person coming to me and saying to me, when you touch me, I was instantly healed. When you touch me, I was instantly healed. When you, what was that? That was the grace of God and God showing me I don't do things for people based on your ability to prepare for me to do it. That don't mean you stay unprepared. That don't mean you don't pray. That don't mean you don't come to church. That don't mean you don't tithe and offer. That doesn't mean you do that. That means you have to do it with the right heart and with the right perspective so it does not become a law to you. We always talk about, I've talked about it several times over the years, a, 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 a revival meeting. Lee and I were preaching at the end of the year. It was December. We had a Sunday through Wednesday night meeting in a church that we knew the pastor. I actually went to Bible school with him. We were, we were already planning what to do with the offering. We were saying, you know, we're going to need this amount of money for Christmas, this amount of money, this amount of money. And the Lord spoke to me on that Tuesday night and said, give all the money back. Give the offering back. I told Leah that. She was like, are you sure that's God? And the Lord spoke to me and says, you're living by your offerings, not by your faith. Living by your offerings, not by your faith. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what does that mean? So we gave the offering back. God didn't even want to take it. I said, you got to take it. I can't take it. I can't receive it. Then we went to a little bitty church the next Sunday morning and got an offering for thousands and thousands of dollars, 10 times more than that offering would have been, and 10 times more than we ever expected because it got us focused back on the grace of God instead of our own performance. There was another time when the Lord spoke to me in December of the, pre- of the, of the following year. I forget, I think, what was that, 91 or 92? Remember the Lord spoke to me and said, don't take any meetings the first three months of the year, the first quarter of the year. Don't take any meetings. Don't take any meetings, none, zero. People were calling. We usually went to certain churches at that time of year. They were calling, you're not coming this year? You're not coming this year? No, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? 
Got bills to pay, got a staff to pay, I need to do this. And we had more money come into those into our ministry. Am I telling the truth? More money came into our ministry in that three months than had come into our ministry previously before that in all of the years. And we didn't preach one meeting. Because God was showing me it was not my ability to go out and preach that would produce an income for me. What produced an income for me was me adhering to the word of God, walking by faith and not frustrating the grace of God through me watching my performance, keeping my eyes on my own performance, but getting my eyes on his performance. So that's what we tend to do many times in frustrating the grace of God. We get a routine. In that routine, we have a confidence. Wow, I've been able to come to church for three months. I haven't missed a service. I've been in prayer. And then things happen. You miss this. You miss that. Or maybe sometimes you just get lazy. That's, that's never happened to anybody who comes on Sunday night. Sometimes you just get lazy. You lay at home and you watch your favorite movies coming on. On Sunday night or Wednesday night. And you think, I'm just going to sit home and watch this movie tonight. i got a whole gallon, of, uh, half gallon of Bluebell ice cream in the freezer. I've got a brand new flat screen TV. My favorite movie's coming on. So I'm just, you know, I've had a rough week. I know I should be in church. Man, I've been to church. See, we justify it based on what we've already done. And then we do what we shouldn't do. And then the enemy just snaps the trap shut. We sit there. We enjoy the movie. We eat the bluebell ice cream. Then it's all over. And then we get a call from our friend at church the next day. How was church? Oh, you should have been there. And then the enemy says, see, because he's the one that gets on this shoulder and says, stay home, watch the movie, eat the bluebell. And then he gets on the other shoulder and says, you rat, you dog, you hypocrite. And if you let him, he will wear you out and produce guilt in your life. And based upon that guilt, you will just quit and stop. So, real quick, I've got five minutes. Let me do this real quick. I wrote this down in my study. I forgot all about that. Thank you for reminding me, Lord. You don't have to turn anywhere. It's written in mine, not yours. Four little points. Number one, don't create your own law. If you create your own law, you will break it. If you create your own law, you will break it. So the best thing to do is what? Don't create it in the first place. Secondly, this is a good one. Serve God like he's here. He is. You say, what do you mean serve God like he's here? Sometimes we tend to serve God like he's not here. Like he's, you know, up on the Starship Enterprise somewhere up in the heavens. And, you know, every once in a while we may be able to communicate him through some, woo, you know, spiritual communication we call prayer. But God's with you at all times. He's on the inside. He's with you 24-7. He gets up with you in the morning. He goes to bed with you tonight. He's there. Act like he's there all the time. You can pray every, I find myself praying all day long sometimes, just talking to the Lord. Yeah, Lord, yeah, yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. 
That always frustrates the grace of God when you put God over in this corner here and you live your life out here, leaving him in that corner and only coming over into the corner twice a week. He's with you all the time. Serve God like he's here. He is. Isn't that good? <laughs> Learn to live a life of self-examination. Listen. Learn to live a life of self-examination Giving yourself grace. You know what that means? Don't take yourself so stinking seriously. You're going to live your 70, 80, 90 years. We're going to put you in a box in the ground. That's going to be it. Enjoy the ride. I said enjoy the ride. Have a little fun. Why is not the church packed tonight? Because people drive by and look at the parking lot and look in here and they have this thought. They ain't having no fun in there. Isn't that what they're thinking? That's what you were thinking before you started coming. They ain't having no fun in there. Because if you go in there, the fun is over. If the world really knew the fun we were having, they'd pack the place out. We'd have to have 10 services on Sunday. But they are convinced. Who convinced them? The devil? No, we did. We convinced them. If you're a Christian, you ain't having fun no more. You can't smoke. You can't drink. You can't dance. You can't watch TV. We got all these laws. Come in. Join the church. We got a book this week. Here's the laws of Island Church. Thou shalt not. 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 I read a story about the, the missionaries in, in, uh, in, in, that went to Hawaii that began to evangelize Hawaii. And they evangelized the entire island. And they took everything away from the Hawaiian people that, that, that gave them any fun. They took away surfing. They took away their language. They took away all the truth. They, 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 they would watch these guys and they would work and they'd do all this work. The surf would come up. They'd all go to the beach. Thou shalt not surf. They made it a law. They didn't like them speaking their own language because then they could talk and the other people didn't understand what they're saying. They didn't like that because they could keep saying, they didn't like that. And what it did, it frustrated the Hawaiian people because they were no longer having what? Fun. God, listen, Jesus said, my burden's easy, my yoke is light. Come to me, all that are heavy laden. All of, you know what he's saying? If you're not having any fun in life, which nobody is if they're in sin, they just think they are, come to me. I'm going to give you some fun. I'm going to give you some life. You're going to begin to live for the first time. People have got to see in us the joy of God, the peace of God, the confidence of God, and the grace of God. If they see your own self-imposed law, they're going to reject you. Learn to live life, a life of self-examination, giving yourself grace. And then the last one, give others grace. Don't judge people so harshly when they don't line up with your law. Oh, man, we do that all the time. Whether you believe it or not, we do it all the time. People say a cuss word around. Oh, yeah. You know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. If sinners do not feel comfortable around you in your righteousness, you're in trouble. 
did you notice the phrase, in your righteousness? Uh, there's several people I hang around. They're, they're sinners. And you know, when I get around them, some of them, it just, I guess they're just hard cases because I've been witnessing to them for years. But when I get around them, they stop cussing. They stop telling bad stories. I mean, I can walk up. They can be having a conversation. Automatically, it'll stop just like that. And they'll pull all that junk out of their language and they'll just, well, here's Brother Rusty, here's Pastor Rusty here. And I treat them just like I'd treat you. Where you been? Oh, we've been doing a tent meeting. We've been having fall harvest. We've been doing this. We've been doing that. And they just feed. Their spirit man just goes, oh, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more about Jesus. And then we have good time. We have fun. We go and do, have recreation together, do all this kind of stuff. And they see someone serving God that is not a legalistic mess. That's what draws people, is when they see us living for God, having fun, enjoying life, not trying to set a standard of behavior. What did, how did Peter say it? That neither our fathers or we could live up to. Pentecostal church did that back in the 40s. They got a few scriptures twisted around. Women can't wear gold, can't cut their hair, can't wear makeup. Why they start with the women? Amen. And then everything, they looked at everything in life. And if there was any pleasure tied to it, sin, 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 sin. And if you sin, you go to hell. But I'm saved. No, you go to hell. But I got saved yesterday. It doesn't matter. You're not saved now. Because if you were saved, you would have adhered to the law. And brother, they put generations of people into bondage and put thousands of their women in mental institutions. You know why? They couldn't live up to the law. Kenneth Copeland told the story. I heard him tell it years ago. He was young in the ministry. He was in Jamaica. That a woman that was possessed of the devil. Actually, she found out later that she was not possessed. She was actually so oppressed, it looked like she was possessed. She lived like an animal under a wharf by, by a bay area there. And they pulled her out of there, and she began to tell them stuff about them, familiar spirit operating them, but began to scream out, they cast the devil out of her. For seven years, she'd been living under that little bridge. She had a little sack. Brother Copeland said, what's in that sack? She pulled it out, it was a Bible. And he said, how did you end up so oppressed by the devil that you lost seven years of your life and lived under the bridge? She said, oh, well, I went to the church, the Pentecostal church right down here, and my, my grandmother came and spent some time, and she didn't go to the church, and she cut my hair. She cut my hair, uh, you know, kind of trimmed it up and made it look nice, cut my hair. And when I went back to church, they told me I was going to hell. Condemnation, guilt, oppression of the devil, obsession of the devil. Seven years under the bridge until somebody came and set her free. That's why you can't put no law on yourself you got to thank God for His grace. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God for, listen, and then do what you do. I'm, listen, I, I'm, I'm disciplined in prayer. I come to church. I read my Bible. I'm disciplined as a minister. I've worked all those things into my life. But listen, if I miss it, I just go on. I don't, I don't get condemned. I don't get under, the, get under the gun. I don't let all that guilt come and get on me. I learn not to do that. You've got to learn to be free and to live free. And if you're not free, then you need to get free. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You shall know the what? Not the law. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall give you freedom. And then you don't have any more have-tos in your life. You have get-tos. 
I get to come to church. I get to pray. I get to go on the tent ministry. I get to go on the missions trip. I get to go to the camp. I get to do, it's all a what? It's all a liberty. It's all a grace to you. And you just enjoy the grace of God everywhere you go. Then you give it to others and others just eat it up and they have to have the Jesus you have. And the people start seeing, hey, they might be really having some fun we don't know anything about, which we really are. Amen? Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and worship God. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 1045, Tuesday prayer, 730, Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.